0: So like I said, we are going to start with a question, a poll, actually. That QR code should pop up on that screen one more time. You can go to ahaslides.com slash St. Mark. And the question we're going to wrestle with, really just the, the poll question I'm going to ask you is this. Which recent innovation to you is the best? Is it the iPhone? Is it Netflix? Is it Tesla? Or is it Amazon? Of all the recent innovations in this world, which of these four do you think is the greatest? The fact that you've got a smartphone in your hands? The fact that you can charge a car on batteries? I don't know if we'll get many people voting for that here in oil and gas country. Yeah, or is it the fact that you can stream any movie, anytime, anywhere you want? Or do you like the fact that you can order anything to your house and have it to you the next day? Any fellow Amazon Prime people around here? That's what I thought. All right, so let's take a look. Let's see what our responses are showing. And oh my goodness, it looks like 70 of you, 71, have said that the iPhone is the best innovation. In a not-so-close second, Amazon, which would have been my pick. And then Tesla is currently beating out Netflix, which is a bit of a surprise for me. Huh, a lot of Apple fans in the house. Those of you who have an Android phone, learn this lesson. You are outnumbered, okay? (laughs) Learn this lesson. Maybe we'll check back in with this a little later. The reason I ask is because today, we are continuing a teaching series that we started last week called Why We Do That. We're taking a look at a handful of the interesting things that we do here at St. Mark and asking the question, why? Why do we sing some of the songs that we sing? Why do we repeat certain things in church every week? And today, we're talking about technology. Why do we encourage, even, even embrace and celebrate new, new modes and methods of celebrating our faith and teaching our faith and sharing our faith, why are we so eager at our church to embrace all kinds of technology? Not just in our personal lives, but in particular, in our corporate lives gathered together like this. And I think this is an important question because over the last couple of years, as we've made renovations to this space, as we've been led to change uh, our style of ministry a bit here at St. Mark, I've gotten some questions about our use and embrace of innovation and technology. People have come up to me and said, Pastor Matt, why why did we install a 30-foot-wide, 10-foot-tall television in the sanctuary? Why do we use lights that move? And sometimes there's even like a little bit of haze in the room that helps you see the lights. Like, why do we do that? Why do you encourage people not to put their phone away in church, but to take out their phone and use it? Why do you tell new people to text us us if you're a guest with us? Why do you take an iPad, a device, up with you on this chancel, on the stage, to lead us in worship? Why do we live stream the service instead of forcing people to come and sit in the pews next to me? Why do we do all of these things and more? Now, the answer I'm going to give to these questions that I've received over the last couple of years might to you seem too simple, if not kind of glib and sarcastic, but it's the real answer. The reason we embrace innovation and technology as the people of God here at St. Mark is because we believe that God has told us to. Really and truly. That he's not just told us to do it, but he's told his people throughout time throughout space, to embrace innovation and technology. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28. Some people refer to these verses as the culture mandate or the creation mandate. If you grew up going to church, these words are going to seem, sound very familiar to you. Let me read these. Genesis 1, 26 and 28. God is creating all things, and then he gives this charge, not just to Adam and Eve, but but to all of humanity. And this is the charge that he gives. He says... Let us make man, mankind, in our image after our likeness. So there's something of humanity that resembles or reflects the character and nature of God that you can't see in the rest of creation. What does it mean? And let them have dominion. So part of being made in the image and likeness of God is to have dominion or to, to reign and to rule in some small capacity over creation. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, create families and cities and communities, fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue is a strong word, it perhaps has a negative connotation. What it really means is to cultivate it. Fill the earth and cultivate it and have dominion, rule over it. God is saying, look, I made everything out of nothing, but the thing that I've made out of nothing I'm giving to you. And you're made in my image. And since I'm a maker and a creator, you are makers and creators too. You take what I have given to you and you cultivate it. You subdue it, meaning you you draw its potential out of it. I've given you something, make it into more. You are made in my image. Subdue it, have dominion over it. That is the, the culture mandate. You could say it's the innovation and technology mandate, because. The first time someone figured out how to make a shovel and dig into the ground, they've created technology. That's technology. That's innovation. They dig into the ground and they find a seed, they throw it into the ground. That's innovation. That's technology. They're living out this mandate, and it's only grown from there. God said, I made all things. You make more of it because you reflect my image. Bring more blessing out of it. Now, We know what happened later in the story. Mankind rebels against God's reign and rule over them. And we welcome sin and destruction and all kinds of dysfunction into our world. And that dysfunction found its way into our ability to live out this culture or creation mandate. So so since the very beginning, not only have we brought good things out of the earth that God has given to us, not only have we innovated in amazing ways, but we've also done terrible things. We have embraced this mandate to our own harm, to to the harm of our neighbor, to the harm of our planet, to the offense of our God. But nonetheless, we have brought out good things, too. What are some of the, the innovations and technologies of life in the modern world that you enjoy the most? I'll go first. I'll give you my top or so. You know what I'm a big fan of? I'm a big fan of modern medicine. Love that. You know what else I like? I like coffee. Might be the greatest innovation that's ever emerged. I'm really glad that I live in an era where there is indoor plumbing, aren't you? I'm grateful for that innovation, that technology. What else am I grateful for? I'm grateful for the fact that even though I live thousands of miles away from my parents and my children, away from their grandparents, that there's FaceTime so they can talk to grandma and grandpa for hours on a Saturday. You know what I'm really starting to appreciate? This thing called tap to pay. Have you started to use that? Or if you're an iPhone person like me, Apple Pay? You don't even have to like pull your wallet out at all. All you do is just like, hover your phone over the cash register and it takes money out of your bank account. It's beautifully terrible. It's, it's an incredible, incredible innovation. But What are some of the innovations and in technologies that you enjoy? Think of it. But but when you think of it, I want you to draw a line back to Genesis chapter 1. This is what we were called to do, to draw complexity and beauty, blessing and, and, and joy out of this creation that God has given to us. That's the mandate that's been given to all of humanity. Now, within that mandate that's been given to all of humanity, there's a special calling upon God's people upon those who know who the maker is and know what we're supposed to do with this place. And the mandate that's upon God's people is not just to innovate and to cultivate and to draw as much out of this world that we can, but the call upon us is to embrace innovation and technology in such a way that it points back to the maker of all things, that it points back to the one who created all things and gave us this thing, to... To live this out in such a way that it leads to greater glory for his name and blessing for others, which is what Jesus said is the whole point of human existence anyway. So we are to embrace innovation and technology and new things toward that end, glory to God, blessing to others. Specifically, I would say this, that we are being faithful as people of God with our embrace of technology and innovation when we when we use it in such a way that it reveals the heart of God to the world and it offers a glimpse of God's kingdom to come. Does God hate this world or love this world? Loves it. Does God hate your neighbor or love your neighbor, even if you can't stand your neighbor? He loves your neighbor. And what he wants us to do in all things, but especially as we embrace new things, is to utilize them in such a way that it is in step with his heart of love for your neighbor and love for this world. Now, is this world that we see all there is, or is Jesus coming back and bringing a brand new world that looks a lot like it, but is better with him? He's bringing a new world with him. And what we are called to do is give a glimpse of a better world, a more perfect world, as we embrace innovation and technology. As we harvest all that we can out of this world for the glory of God and blessing of others, it's... It's, it's meant to give people a glimpse of this even greater, more perfected world to come so that we, as God's people, can say to them, Oh, you think this is great? Oh, Jesus has guaranteed for us something even more amazing. We are to embrace innovation and technology in such a way that it brings glory to God, blessing to others in such a way that it reveals God's heart of love for the world and offers the world a glimpse of a better kingdom to come. That's our calling with this stuff. Now, I think that we are being most faithful in that calling when we allow technology to do two specific things in our lives. There's a lot that could be said here, but I've only got time for two things. And the two things I think we must allow technology to do as people of God in our lives are this. Number one, we must utilize it in such a way that it makes us better servants, not of God, but of others. And in being a better servant to others, we are the best possible representatives of God. Look at what Paul says, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is giving like, his, his explanation of his philosophy of ministry, why he does what he does, the way in which he does it. And the point Paul makes in these verses that I'm about to, to reread to you is that Paul understands that through the work of Jesus Christ, He doesn't owe anybody anything. He doesn't owe God anything. Did you know that? Through Jesus Christ, you owe God nothing. He demands nothing of you. Through Jesus Christ, he looks at you and sees somebody that he already completely and fully accepts and loves. You don't owe him anything. He just loves you. You also don't owe your neighbor anything. You don't have to be a certain kind of neighbor, a certain kind of friend, a certain kind of spouse, a certain kind of of coworker in order to be worthy of the grace that you've received or to somehow prove your faith and your salvation. You don't owe anybody anything. What Paul says is, I know that I don't owe anybody anything, but instead, I've chosen to live a life of service and indebtedness to the people around me, showing them how much God loves them through me. 1 Corinthians 1, he says, For though I am free from all, I am free from all people, I have made myself a servant to all people, why? That I might win more of them. I might draw them closer to God and Jesus Christ. I have become all things to all people that by all means, I might save some. And he goes on to say, whatever tactic, whatever tool I can discover that's gonna make me a better servant or a bigger blessing to other people, I'm gonna embrace it. And you and I, we're invited to have the same attitude. You are free from everybody too. You don't owe anybody Anything. But you are invited to use your freedom to serve other people, to say, my life is not my own. I'm going to live it in love for other people. And in doing so, reflect a little bit of the love that I've been been given in Jesus Christ and be the best possible representative of Jesus to the rest of the world. I'm going to live my life using and doing whatever I can to bring blessing to other people in Jesus' name. And there was a time in history in which the church, like the capital C Church, was known for being the best organization in the world for using innovation and technology to bring blessing to others, especially hurting people. I've talked about this before, but it's worth marveling at and mentioning again. You you know the modern hospital that we all go to when, when our health goes haywire, or the modern university, one of which I just took my daughter on a tour of yesterday. What we know is a modern hospital and a modern university, those are all developments of the Christian church. Did you know that? That it was people of faith gathered together saying, we need a place where we can nurture sick bodies into health. They created what we now know as the hospitals. Where we need to nurture and encourage and tease everything we can out of the human mind. They created what we now know as universities. That's the outgrowth of people of faith. Maybe you didn't know this. Monastic communities, I'm talking about 1,500 years ago, monastic communities, communities of faith, men devoted to serving the Lord, they were the first to use what's called the water wheel, harnessing the power of moving water to, to do bigger jobs than people could do on their own. This transformed Europe, and it allowed people who had no access to, to greater means to get away from some menial tasks and open up much more, uh, much more possibility in their lives and a greater standard of living. That, that flew out of monastic communities who took that technology to the rest of the world around them. Maybe you didn't know this, but people of faith right now are leading the way in using new technologies, using innovation to bring clean water to developing nations. People of faith are innovating ways to care for vulnerable people, especially those that are in the womb or outside of the womb. No one in the U.S. provides more prenatal care than the Christian church. No one. A couple months ago, I met an incredible woman named Catherine Hayhoe. She is a PhD climate scientist, she's also a pastor's wife here in Texas. And she is leading the way, not just in the Christian world, but in the scientific world and helping people to understand and discover new ways in which people can care for and be better stewards of our planet. And she's driven by her faith. She says, the reason I'm a climate scientist is because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. She said that to me personally. I can't not do this. And it's because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and because I'm called to love my neighbor. And the best way I can love my neighbor is making sure I figure out every piece of technology that we can to help serve the planet that God has given to us. People of faith have led the way in laying hold of technology and innovation and utilizing it to serve people around us and bless them. To be a man or woman of faith means to not be, unaf- means to not be afraid of technology, but to embrace it and to say, I'm going to ask a different question. Everybody else is asking, how can I use this thing to get more of what I want? I'm going to ask a different question. How can I use this thing to make somebody else's life better? That's the question people of faith ask. And when we ask that question, we are being faithful to our calling to embrace technology and innovation. We are revealing God's heart of love for all people, especially those who have less than you. And we are giving a glimpse of a world to come where everyone will have what they need in abundance. And blessing will be found everywhere. Now, not only are we being faithful to this calling when we... We allow technology to make us better servants of others, but we are being faithful in this calling when we allow technology to make us better storytellers. But not just of any story. You know what I'm about to say. Better students of and proclaimers of the most important story, the story of God's love for you and for your family and for your friends. Look again at what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 9 Picking up at verse 22 through 23, he says this, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Here's why he does it. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the story of who Jesus is and what he's done, so that I may share with them in its blessings. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that this story of the person and work of Jesus Christ gets out, and I want it to bless not just me, but every single person that I encounter. Paul's passionate to use every resource he can to tell the story of Jesus so that as many people as possible can grow in it and grasp it and be blessed by it. And for thousands of years, that's been the same motivation in the church. Lay hold of every innovation we can so that we can all be excellent students of this story, but so that we can be excellent proclaimers, tellers of this story. That's why we've done everything that we've done. So when you look at the 13th century, stained glass, which you see in just about every church today, including our own, stained glass became a a well-known art form in the 13th century. Churches started to use it. Why? Not just because it was pretty when the light came through it, but because most of the world was illiterate. And you could use stained glass to tell stories that people couldn't read. You could take the story of salvation, you could bring it to life in the window so that people could walk in and go, who is this? Well, that's Moses giving the law. Who is this? Well, it's Jesus saying that he's greater than Moses. What's this? That's Jesus dying for you and being surrounded by the the women at the cross. What's this? Well, it's Jesus resurrected for you. That's why we did it. It was innovation, technology used to tell the story. For thousands of years, Christians have used candles and incense in worship. Why? Not just because it's pretty, but because, but because it, it sets a certain aesthetic and illustrates a certain belief. We believe that when we pray, gathered together, that our prayers, as the scriptures say, ascend like incense. And when we have incense and candles, you can actually see as the light hits the haze, you can see the heavens become real around you, and you can see it rise above you. It's an illustration meant to bring your faith alive in the fourth century christian churches were struggling having people sing in church it's a perpetual problem (laughs) the fourth century so what did christians do they saw that the romans a few hundred years earlier had developed something called a pipe organ and so in the fourth century christians started to build these in their larger structures for the sake of leading congregational worship. Now, why did they choose the organ? Was it because it's the most majestic and holiest of instruments? No. It's because it was the largest magnified instrument. You could hear it. That's why they chose it. It was pragmatic. You could hear it. And any other instrument in a crowd of, say, 50 or more people, you could not hear once they started singing. It was the only instrument they could find that once people started singing, you could still hear the instrument. Jerome, one of the famous dead guys at the church, in AD 400, he writes that there was an organ so loud in the city of Jerusalem that it could be heard a mile away at the Mount of Olives. In the Reformation, when the gospel, the message that you are saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ and no work, no effort of your own. When that message was getting rediscovered, there was an emerging technology that some people thought was evil. We now know it as the printing press. But these reformers, desperate to get the word out about Jesus and who he is and what he's done for the world and how he didn't have to pay to get saved, they harnessed this technology and they had pamphlets printed up and spread them around the known world. And that was part of what helped light the flame of the Reformation. When radio emerged, our church body, we're part of a denomination called the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, our church body founded one of the very first Christian radio stations in the United States, and it's still going today. They launched a show on that that station that eventually played on like 2,000 stations around the country. It was an hour of preaching called the Lutheran Hour, an hour of preaching, and it became the most popular radio show in the United States. Did you know that? So much so that Billy Graham cited it as influence for his own call to ministry. He wanted to do intent revivals, what Lutherans were doing on the radio. Now, knowing all that, I'll answer your question. Why do we have a big screen? We have a big screen because video is the new stained glass and it tells the story. Why do we have lights? And why do sometimes we have some haze in the room? Because it's the candles... And it's the incense of the modern world. It helps to tell the story. Why do we live stream? It's the new radio. It helps to tell the story. Why do we use phones? Because it's the new printing press, revolutionizing communication. It tells the story. We take everything that we can with whatever's emerging, and we use it to tell the story. And that's what Christians have been doing since the very beginning. So so let me give you some examples in the room of how we could utilize this. Many of you know that the church, the Christian church, has its own calendar. It's called a liturgical calendar, and each season in the church has its own appointed color. Traditionally, how have churches reminded people of the seasonal colors in the church? It's usually for pyramids and banners. Well, We don't have any banners hanging from the ceiling, but you know what we do have? We live in the modern era. You know what we do have? We have LED lights. So what if, what if, in order to teach which liturgical season we happen to be in, we change the lights? So in the season of Pentecost, it would be what? Red. It'd be red. That's right. At Advent, you walk into church and things could be blue. Or in the season of the Church, which is the time of the church year that we're in now, it's the longest season. Things could be green. Or you walk in in Lent and that run up to Easter, and church just happens to be purple. Each week at St. Mark, over 400 people gather for worship, just like you, inside the building. And that number is growing every week. And that is great that it's growing. But did you know that each Sunday, between our live stream of our services, our radio ministry, and our podcast, that each week there are tens of thousands, tens of thousands of people who take part in this moment with you. In the last three weeks alone, people from these states and other countries have watched and worshiped with you without you even knowing. Let me just read through it. Texas, Ohio, California, Arkansas, Nevada, Michigan, Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, Colorado, Wisconsin, South Carolina, New York, North Carolina, Maine, Louisiana, Florida, Delaware, Arizona, Greece, Ireland, and Finland. That's our church, friends. And that's what an embrace of technology and innovation allows you to accomplish. We do it all for the sharing of the story. Not only can it connect them to us, but it can connect us in the room to them outside of it. I'm going to put you guys on camera. This is a live look at you. This is what I see every week. So right now, if you were to wave, if you were to actually wave right now, all the people see, good job. All the people watching on live stream, they see you waving. And now, by the power of technology, you've waved at them, and they're at home in their pajamas, drinking coffee, waving back at you. This is an incredible thing. It can connect us together. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we are called to embrace technologies for the sake of telling the better story. We're called to embrace those technologies, and rather than ask the question, how can this make me bigger? We ask this question, how can it help me to understand and share God's story and by the way this is a question you should be asking in your personal life because you are surrounded by technology and innovation and you're welcoming in new stuff all the time the questions you should be asking are first how can this help me be a better neighbor to other people can this help me love other people well And the other question you should ask is, is there a way for this new technology that I'm embracing to make me a better student of the scriptures and a better teller of that story? Did you know you can download an app called Dwell that will read the scriptures to you while you drive, while you go for a run? I use it every single day. Have you heard of the new television show that's streaming online called The Chosen? At first, I was so weary to watch it. I'm like, this is gonna be so lame, (laughs) so bad. Christian people usually do bad art. Why do they need to make a show about Jesus? I watched the first episode of my daughter, Ava, and at the end of the episode, she looks at me and she says, are you crying? I'm like, shut up. (laughs) He called her by name. If you've seen the episode, you know what I'm talking about. It's incredible. It's incredible. You can watch that with your kids and talk about the story of Jesus. You can share this live stream with someone who lives across the country who hasn't found a church yet but needs some hope. You you can find some podcast that points to Jesus and the finished work that he's accomplished for you and you can be more deeply rooted in the grace of God that is given to you as a gift. How can this help you be a better student of and teller of the story? That's the question we ask individually, but also corporately as a church. And when we do so, we are living with purpose, revealing God's heart for all people and offering a glimpse of the world to come where all things, all things will be used to glorify his name. There is so much more that could be said, but let me me begin to close with this. It's important that we talk about this, not just so that we as people of faith understand not to be afraid of new things, and we know how to embrace them and what our calling is, but you and I live in a world that is obsessed with and worshiping technology. And we do not want to fall into that camp. We want to offer a better, more life-giving alternative to it. We live in a world that celebrates technology and innovation as an end in and of itself. We create new things for the sake of creating new things. We innovate for the sake of innovating because because people who have no faith in Jesus, ultimately this is all they have to try and save themselves. Well, maybe we can make a better me. Maybe we can make a better planet. Maybe we can make a better people and we can rescue ourselves from all this stuff well, here's the bad news. You are not going to be able to technology your way out of all that's wrong. But they refuse to hear that. And instead, what they do is they continue to say, innovation and technology is my God. But here's the thing that the scriptures tell us about when you take something that has no moral center and you act as if it's ultimate, you become just like it. And you ultimately get devoured by it. There is no inherent morality to technology. Technology and innovation tell you what is possible. It doesn't tell you whether or not you should do it. And it doesn't tell you how you should use it. For that, you need faith, you need virtue, you need ethics, you need these higher things. So when you worship this thing that has no moral center as ultimate, you become just like it. You have no moral center. And you innovate and you change And you become more efficient for the sake of innovation and change and efficiency. And eventually, it consumes you and it destroys you. But you, people of faith, you can offer an alternative. You know the God of the universe. And you know that this stuff that we create, that we make, that blesses our lives, can't save our lives. You know that your life is already saved in Jesus Christ, and you can point other people to that truth, but then you can also embrace these things and use them for a greater good in such a way that it opens everybody else's eyes and says, what do you know that I don't? As you use new things to bless other people rather than just serve yourself, it opens other people's eyes. As you use new things to tell a greater story that brings meaning and purpose to this life, it opens other people's eyes. Church, what if we got so good at embracing new things for the right reasons the rest of the world couldn't help but take notice? It recognized that we were unafraid of new and emerging things, but we used them for a greater purpose. It wasn't just having new things to have new things. We had a sense of meaning and purpose. We weren't nearly as desperate to save ourselves as everybody else. That would draw the world unto us and through us to him. What if we got so good at using new things for the right reasons and the rest of the world seeing us ask different questions? How can this bless somebody other than me? And how can I tell a story of substance and meaning through this stuff? They, they, got, they got so used to us saying that that the next time, the next time they were asked the question, what's the greatest gift that's been given to the world? They didn't point to a device, but they pointed to a community. They pointed to us. They pointed to a people of hope who lived without fear, who loved with every tool and resource that they had and pointed to something bigger and better and more hopeful than anything they can know on their own. May that come to pass. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us a world to cultivate and that we have, with your help, we we have been able to draw so many incredible innovations and blessings out of it. Thank you. But Father, we we pray that you you would help us to be good stewards of these gifts that we've discovered. Help us to not use them for our own destruction and demise to simply serve ourselves, but help us to ask the right questions with these things. Help us to seek to bless somebody other than ourselves with new things that we discover. Help us to, to bring glory to your name and, and tell the bigger story, to be a better student of this story with and through the things that we discover. Help us toward that end, Lord. Father, may we, may we see technology and innovation for what it is, as a tool a tool, a resource for us to utilize in corporate worship, a resource for us to utilize in our individual lives, a resource for us to utilize so that we might bring greater glory to your name and greater blessing to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.